Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Almost $30 million in best ball tournaments have already launched for 2023 fantasy football. So what better time to kick off a brand new show? Partnership between legendary upside winner of Best Ball Mania 3, Pat Corain's latest venture, and Spike Week. SpikeWeek.com. This is the for the real sickos, the legendary sickos. And episode one today, myself, Eric Beinform, Pat Corain are going to get into how you can tackle, how you can get an edge in these crazy, huge best ball tournaments that we now have. Get your share of $30 million. We're going to figure that out for you today. We were talking before the show, and uh, you know, I love I love a, a good a good intro, but we got to get a, a a blend of a nice a rocket with I, I don't know what what are what's going to be like the the bit of the legendary right? We built this whole rocket and sicko theme. What's the because it's like technically legendary upside is referring to a running to like running running backs, but you can't yeah. make that the bird. You can't make that no, the we brain. can't. <laughs> well, leg up is is the shorthand, so maybe you know could yep. we could we just Kicker. maybe some line dancers, some kick yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly but, i'm pretty um, jealous of your uh the spike i mean the rocket launch uh graphic and everything i uh i just go i just launch i just uh I, hit record and start talking we got big we got big plan those are one of the things i was just talking to uh for anyone that is watching spike week for the first time uh one of my co-workers rob coakley at king coakley on on twitter he does a lot of awesome media stuff for us, he put together that intro actually. But I was just talking to him the other day. The intros and like outros and like skins on on your streams and stuff are these things that like don't really matter. <laughs> like they really. But to me, it's one of those things where like it it just absolutely irks me about little itty bitty things about like I gotta have the intro. I gotta have this that. And uh, so we ha- there's actually a, some big changes I wanna I wanna make to that. The whole motivation. Little peek behind the curtain. The whole motivation, I was like trying to get a designer to do like the Pixar intro. 
I was like, mm. how do we recreate the Pixar intro, but like with rockets and have it kind of best ball themed or fantasy football themed or whatever. And, you know, shout out to the design folks and stuff. Not there's a little bit of a, uh, a knowledge gap between fantasy football and, you know, your typical tech designers or whatever, but that's, that's the goal. So maybe we can experiment with legendary upside. We'll figure out a special fun yeah. little intro there. Yeah. Any, anything is an improvement on not having an intro. Which is currently <laughs> Legendary upside podcast does not have an intro other than some music, some free music that I have. Hey, yeah, that you get, everybody starts somewhere. That's a that God. I don't even want to go look back at the original Spike Week uh, videos and stuff. So I can attest to to that part of it. But uh, everybody, thank you for for watching. Obviously, we're pre recording this, but thank you for watching the first episode of this uh, legendary sicko show. Uh, two quick housekeeping things before you get in before we get into the stuff you guys really want to hear today. One, this will be a week weekly show. Um, we're gonna try to pre record it and get it out to you guys about every Thursday. You know, uh, I, I'm not a huge stickler on the exact scheduling, but we'll try to get it out to you sometime late afternoon on Thursdays. Most weeks, obviously, schedule dependent. And then the big thing with this partnership, um, the thing I'm most excited for, we have obviously launched at Spike Week, our premium best ball tools, uh, premium subscription. You get access to some things that Pat's also doing in terms of rankings and right strategy content and all of that. But the big thing that we do is uh, you know, best ball tools, our, our biggest tool being what we call Draft IQ, where if you've pl- drafted any form of best ball team ever, you know tracking your exposures and your teams and even in season, seeing how they're doing, particularly on somewhere like DraftKings, where it's literally impossible to even see yeah. how much of a player you have. Uh, we built tools to help you do that. And uh, they're built by total sicko best ball players. So you can dive into absolutely anything you want to see about your best ball teams. And we continue to grow that tool suite that we're offering. We have projected ownership. Now we're building out a bunch of more cool tools. Uh, and normally you can get that for 40 bucks a month or $300 for the entire NFL season, which does run through the whole season, playoffs, Super Bowl, everything. Because of course, NFL playoff, best ball, there's in-season tournaments. We cover all of that. So you get all that with your subscription. However, with this Legendary Upside partnership, anyone who is subscribed to Legendary Upside and also subscribes to Spike Week using promo code LEGUP will get 40% off any either of those subscriptions for as long if you stay subscribed to Pat forever, you will get 40% off of your Spike Week subscription forever. So um, hopefully, hopefully that's a nice little perk for the legendary upside folks to be able to really, I know they're going to be sinking their teeth into best ball. I mean, Jesus, Pat won best ball media three. So naturally they're going to be following for his advice, but hopefully we can offer those, those folks, those subscribers, just a little bit extra with some tools that can also take their game to the next level. Yeah. I mean, it's like, from my perspective, it's pretty amazing because you're, uh, you know, I, I'm offering a $30 off the first year. So it takes the price down to $69 and then, you know, you can get like a year of spike week that your savings is like $120, just, just like a penny under. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty sick. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Deal. On top of, I'm happy to tout Pat's. Pat was uh, given away fifty dollars of underdog credit for for his subscriber, which I think is a little bit of a limited time time only. But it's there's it's just limited credits. And uh, Eric, I might not be good at business because uh, <laughs> I may have gone too far here. The credits are flying off the shelves. I don't think this promo code is going to help that. So yeah. uh, I would say, if you have subscribed to Legendary Upside and you've not gone to the site 
at the top of the site is a it, it's a uh, it says perk slash discord click that there's a form you got to fill out that form i got to send your username to underdog i can't give you a credit if you don't <laughs> give me your username yeah. um and i'm basically doing it based on who sends me their username that's what's gonna dictate who gets the credits now the credits aren't like imminently about to be gone but it's gonna happen a lot faster than i thought yes. <laughs> so maybe yep. uh you know don't don't like uh forget it but don't let it slip your mind but very excited uh for this obviously uh i love pat's pat's content we've been doing some content for the last multiple years now i mean i remember anybody that if you're new um i'm sure you know pat from from ship chasing obviously legendary upside roto world whatever i feel like this is such a good partnership not only because it makes so much sense for the legendary upside folks to use uh, the spike week tools and just the general crossover. But before best ball even really became what it is right now, right? Best ball mania two, the summer before best ball mania two was when spike week started. You were, uh, I think at Roto world at that point or almost yeah. Roto world. So, uh, but you're yeah, doing, you're, world, yeah. you're doing ship chasing and we're, ha we had a couple different streams on ship chasing myself, you, Ben Gretchen, Peter Overzet, that kind of broke best ball. Uh, many, or fixed uh, it, uh, depending or fixed on your it. point of view. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you loved running backs back then, I, I, even if you loved running backs, I don't know if it broke it or fixed it because you were getting, yeah, you know, the, the, the drafts. It made it harder to win by drafting a lot of running backs, I think. But the whole landscape has shifted, um, and I think it's a good segue into this year, 2023. Now we have... Three, four different tournaments, three different sites, totaling almost just shy of $30 million in total prizes, $15 million on underdog and uh, just a little bit less than $13 million on DraftKings and then a $2 million tournament on drafters as well. So players have, dude, if you want, you want to play this hybrid tournament that underdog has offered, you got it. And a bunch of money. You want to play the typical old school playoff format, DraftKings, right? PPR, bonuses, all that kind of stuff. They have a, they have small field tournaments. They have large field tournaments. And then you got drafters, which is like, dude, if you just want to, I'm going to draft the best team and I'm yeah. going to win $300,000. You have that too. And so uh, two years ago, this whole game was so much different. Obviously it was smaller, but the game was different too. And I'm finding myself thinking about how to draft teams like immediately right now differently than I did back then. So I was curious how you're approaching just kind of the general landscape before we dive into like players and some draft strategies and stuff. How are you thinking about the fact that like we have all this on our, you know, uh, uh, we're at a buffet. We're at a best ball yeah. buffet right now. A buffet is, yeah, an interesting way to think about it because I'm kind of like, you know, I'm looking at my my best ball mania tickets and like that's it's not like my main meal necessarily but it's a it's something i would really care to savor and enjoy and yep. so i'm not i'm not uh gonna order that right away first i'm you know i've dabbled uh, you know i've i've drafted in best ball mania but i think i only have four teams drafted in best ball mania because as soon as i got the DraftKings, um uh you know opportunity i did that you know i was drafting I've, i think i've already drafted four or five of those um even though it's been out for for way less time because <laughs> I don't want to spend too much of my best ball mania entries in this early part of the season. I think if you're trying to get ADP values, which is the big reason to draft early, then the best time to do that was right after the draft, right after best ball mania mm -hmm. launched. And that's when I drafted a couple. Um, I drafted, I think another 
one Saturday, but I don't think I've drafted. I think maybe Monday was the last one that I did. Um, and then I was working on my best ball rankings and stuff. So I was like genuinely busy, but as soon as I made time once DraftKings launched, cause like, I don't just like time wise, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to be able to in let's say July and August draft all the drafts I want to draft. So right. if I want to play as much best ball as I want, I am going to have to do some now. I'm thinking what's a tournament that maybe I would be happy that I spent more of my bullets in May. You know, even if May is ultimately going to probably be a little bit less of a plus EV time to draft because it's going to be so chaotic. Well, to me, it's the the, the $10 DraftKings tournament. It, that's the one where I'm like, yep. what if I just land on something outrageous? You know, and it's a 1400 final week 17 field roughly, right? And so I need to hit the nuts and I need to hit the nuts in a particular week. Like I need to have, mm-hmm. it's it's very unlikely for me to do this. So maybe that's the one that I want to take to the the earliest period where stuff is the least settled. And it's DraftKings where, where if you're trying to get ADP values, then you stack that on DraftKings, which is the site where you get ADP values. I could land on something, like I said, just, just completely absurd. And you have two extra picks for anyone that has not played DraftKings uh, best ball on, on DraftKings. And that sounds like nothing, but I think once you draft a few times, you'll realize there's a pretty stark difference actually between having those, those two extra picks in multiple different facets, but also for drafting now, it you never really relieve the pressure of of the risk of the early part of the offseason. But having two extra bullets, particularly if you're a smart drafter, right? You're gonna you're gonna miss in September and late yeah, August. Yeah. You're gonna miss. But now we understand the the uncertainty levels, right? Like we don't even know, like there's all that we'll get into some of this, but like the backup running backs are are clear as mud, you know, in terms of who who to even draft in most of these backfields. But having the extra picks right now allows you to to feel a little bit more comfortable about not giving up too much expected value uh, at this part of the offseason, which, man, on underdog, same as you, I drafted one best ball mania team because I'm, I'm employing pretty much a similar strategy to you. I'm going to dive into the DraftKings Millie first uh, because I'm going to try to basically unlock a, a super team uh, for that week 17 final, like I want to build a team that when I get to week 17 and I, I compare that team with some DFS projections, right? I say, holy shit. I have, look at all these, like these guys all project yeah. awesome, right? Yeah. I have, and that could be contingent value running backs. It could just be landing on the right game stack. It could be contingent, contingent value wide receivers, tight ends, right? It could be anything, but I'm just trying to use the chaos of the offseason to my advantage in this, like you said, 1400 person final. Even best ball mania at 430 or whatever it is, person final. The com- combine that with very sharp drafters, much sharper drafters on underdog. I think 18 spots, so I get two less. Right, I can be wrong less on underdog. Every wasted spot is so much more important on underdog. And then, as you said, you also just have this like human element, this time element. Like I am only one human. A draft takes 45 minutes. Like, and even if you're like slow drafting, you know, there's only so many you can have on the clock before it just drains your whole day. I, I'm just trying to to think about how to tackle it, and I'm doing the exact same the exact same thing. I'm a I'm a barbell drafter proponent because I do believe in trying to unlock some super teams if possible. But now that was like when I very first wrote the very first like barbell draft approach that I uh, was two years ago. 
There was like one best ball tournament. It yeah, was, it was be- it was best ball mania too. So it was like none of this other stuff mattered. Contest selection didn't matter, right? Time, my human time didn't matter. Now all my that stuff matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now all that stuff matters. So so I'm just taking into account and focusing, you know, being smart about how I focus my time. Yeah, I'm actually not a barbell drafter um, because it's the human time element. Is like I just want to make sure I'm you know drafting these teams and enjoying it. You know, like if you're if you're firing at a DK Millie, which is a lotto, the best ball mania is basically a lotto. Um, you know, there will be some smaller field tournaments that, um, you know, it's easier to advance teams to the finals. I imagine DK will offer some of that. They did last year. Uh, Underdog has offered tournaments like that where you're much more likely to get through to the finals. Yep. Um, and so those are a little bit less lottos, but just in general, when you're mostly firing at these super top heavy tournaments uh, that have these playoff uh, final structures, you're, you're probably not going to have a profitable season. You know, you, you, the bet is I'm not going to have a profitable season most of the time, but when I have a profitable season, it's going to be very profitable. That's like, that's your bet. And you have to, you have to understand that the chances of you ever hitting that are, are not great, but that's like, that's sort of the game we're playing. These are GPPs. So, for me, it's important that I'm enjoying the ride. You know, it's like, what's the point of this? If I'm not having fun, like I could be putting my money in like probably better places, you know? So even with, even though I think I have an edge, like I think enjoying this is important and spacing it out to some degree is important. But the fact that we have so many different tournaments that we can fire at, um, I think, you know, to me, I'm like, well, I'm just going to draft best ball. Mania. I'm going to drip best ball mania through the entire off season and not worry about barbelling that, but I'm, I'm going to wait until the schedule comes out to really start firing. Mm-hmm. And I think the correlation element is probably more important in, even in best ball mania than compared to this DraftKings 1400 person final tournament. Cause if you think about it, if this was a DFS tournament and it was a 450 person field versus 1400. And, you know, I don't know how familiar the listeners are with that, you know, kind of small field, medium field type of DFS strategy, but those are basically different types of tournaments. Like Correct. one is a bigger small field tournament. It's on the big side of small field, but one is above anything that you would call a true small field. You'd be playing it a little bit different. And you, what you'd probably be doing is maybe you're not quite as tightly correlated in some ways. And, mm-hmm. and you're trying to, you're understanding the fact that there's going to be more teams. Someone's probably going to land on, you know, just the right combination of dudes, you know, to some extent. Now you, I think you want to have some stacking, but, but having that bring back is probably a little less important in the 1400 field than it is in the 450, because, you know, you, it's not just about getting a couple things, right? Like my underdog winning lineup wasn't like that great, you know, <laughs> like it didn't, mm-hmm. it got a couple things, right? It's not winning in a 1400 person field. That team wouldn't mm-hmm. have won. So I think you want to think through that. And then also the 20 roster spots versus 18, that's two extra players on every single roster that can get there for someone else, potentially in an uncorrelated way. So I think if you are going to fire at something before we have the NFL schedule, we're obviously not going to have that kind of correlation that bring back correlation. You can mix in a little bit of divisional opponents, hope you get some of that just naturally, but we don't know, you know, it's, it's just guesswork. You can build stacks, though, and I definitely recommend doing that. But, you know, if I don't have that bring back lever, then I think I want to at least go to the bigger field where it probably matters a little Mm -hmm. less. 
Yep. And uh, I couldn't possibly agree more where I made kind of my, my, Hey, in, in all of this whole space, fantasy sports was in DFS and was specifically in small field tournaments. And I'm talking 1400 was big to me. I didn't even like look at if it was, if it had more than a thousand people or something, I like, wasn't even interested I, like 400 was, would be like, uh, they would have, uh, it used to be, I don't DraftKings changes their names all the time. Something like it, they would call it the game changer. Just like mm-hmm. a, a higher, a higher stakes tournament, you know, depending on the week, 200 to 500 teams. And it was like, mm-hmm. that's where I would live because like you said, I just, and I think that's what ended up turning into this, like me just having the light bulb about the playoffs and week 17 correlation and playoff correlation and all that kind of stuff was because that's where I came from. Right. Like you said, if you play in these lottos in DFS and again, 1400 is not a, is not a lotto, but let's just use that as a easy parallel. Yeah, you're stacking and yeah, you're you're going to have bringbacks, you know, on some teams and stuff. But fu- like I would never make a team without like a game stack basically mm-hmm. in that in that 200 to 500 person tournament because like you said, I just had to get basically that right and like a running back or or you know, maybe the running back was involved in the game. I just had to get like two things right, really. You know, and then pray for your defense. You know, <laughs> that's all it really was was like hit the game that goes nuts maybe get one other thing right and you're done. Like that's it. Yeah. And so yeah, that's so different than the 1400 thing where like you said, and with 20 guys, it's even different. It's even harder than DFS because all your opponents have all these backup chips, right? In DFS, it's like, even if other guys nail that correct game and, and some correct things, they still got, you still have to use every score in this. It's like, you whiff on, like you you did in in week seventeen specifically didn't even hit on your first couple picks in terms of their con- contribution to your starting lineup. Well, Eckler was my first pick. He was, but Saquon, right? Saquon like, did not contribute to my week seventeen lineup. Think about DFS. If your second most expensive player in DFS in a in a tournament was a total bust, at, like you're probably screwed, right? Unless yeah. unless unless your three thousand dollar one percent owned guy goes for thirty. Like it's really hard to win to win. And so I'm just trying to think about all all of those variables. And I think that's sometimes what gets lost is exactly what you outlined right. in terms of just how different the games are. Yeah. I mean, I had Mostert slot into my lineup who was, I think, my fifteenth round pick or something. And <laughs> but you know, if you get but like that there's always a couple guys who are gonna have those types of games and yeah, just just a couple extra shots not just on your team, but on every other team in the field, you know, mm-hmm. and it's such a bigger field. So it just magnifies the effect that we're, we're already outlining there. And then like um, Mike Leone from establish the run in his best ball manifesto talked a little bit about, and you've hit on it ever since about like just having live players. Right. And so again, with the extra 20, with the extra two spots, you obviously have a shot at more live players, but everybody else, 1400 other teams have a shot at, at those live players as well. The hell is calling me. I hate when that, I hate when that happens. It takes over my headphones and I can't think for, oh, for those God. two seconds. Um, are you going to edit this or it was just all in? Ah, uh, we'll leave, we'll leave it in. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, let me see, make sure I got, okay, we're good. And these people, you know, in the live streams, chaos happens. So whatever, we'll, we'll figure it out. But having those lot, you need to have those live players even more in this DraftKings Millie. And everyone else is going to like, there are going to be teams like that have like almost their full roster live that have a bunch of guys who are like actually good plays 
right? That like are, are fringe startable in a managed league. They're going to have a ton of guys. And so that's what I do think to your original point, drafting now in that one and hoping to kind of just get lucky, right? You, yeah. you, hit, you hit the late round running backs that, that are actually the, the right contingent value guys. And it's a total crapshoot. Or you could do the opposite. Take your early running backs and you hit like a bunch of these rookie wide receivers or late round wide receivers or late round tight end or whatever. I just think it's the right tournament to be drafting now if we're, if we're choosing one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think to the kind of the small field thing, I do think it's just so important to think about all of these tournaments as like you think about the final week first. And I still feel this way about underdog. I know there's been a lot of debate about, you know, how we play this now with the new structure and everything. I still feel like you play for the big money up top in week 17. That's your primary strategy. And, you know, thinking about it as a one week tournament first, not we advance, then we advance, then we advance, then we get there. Hope we win. It's build the lineup. They can actually build the lineup that you would want in a 500 person field or 450 person field. And that's generally a lineup that only needs to have a couple things go right. Because when you get those couple things, you vault to the top, right? It's that it, mm-hmm. the couple things are not just this one guy and this one guy. It's you're, you're saying, I get this one thing right, and that's three spots on my lineup. I get another thing right. That was another three spots on my lineup. You know, you're, you're, like, you're getting that one thing, and it's creating this cascading effect of wins that's putting you way way higher on the leaderboard yeah and one of those things is going to need to be like absolutely massive and very unlikely to happen but you know these are huge tournaments that we're playing in so that's the way this goes but yeah i think with the the DraftKings lineup um once when you get there with the 1400 team uh tournament you know i'd be a little bit more comfortable building something the the day of week 17 in a 1400 team field that wasn't as pretty that had look uh, this guy's a value saver i'm i'm just gonna put him in i he's not mm-hmm. correlated with anything i just like him i think he's gonna be a lot of targets this year this week you know you would do more of that and the nature of drafting right now is just gonna that's just you're gonna end up with teams like that absolutely it's more of there are a few guys who right DraftKings came out again using the dfs parallels DraftKings comes out with pricing every Sunday night and we find out on Monday XYZ are hurt. And so you have these salary savers that are great point per dollar plays. They're not correlated to anything in your, in, in your, your optimal team, the team that you want to build, but it's like, they're going to let me get Tyree kill Justin Jefferson, whatever, as opposed to, of course, I'm not saying those are bad on underdog. They're still very good on, on underdog, but in terms of the, the construction, you, you would start, more on the i need this game or i need these couple things yeah, yeah. as opposed as which opposed we can't to that do right now yeah which we just absolutely yeah. cannot do how are you in terms of uh bbm i'm glad you brought up bbm you know you've mentioned talking about still starting kind of at, at week 17 but is there anything else you're like thinking about with this structure because for anyone not aware it is a huge huge change so really what we have is two tournaments in one a 15 million dollar prize pool but 10 goes to we basically have last year's best ball mania within this this 15 or 15 million dollar tournament but they also took five million and made it into a regular season tournament but it's it's extremely top heavy so we have those two tournaments and the way that the structure ended up being 
is only the top 1.5% of regular season teams are getting paid out. And from 1,000th place to to 10,000th place basically is a, is $250. So you make, you know, you 10 X your, your $25, which is great, but then that's, that, that's fine. But then really the top thousand in the regular season is where you start to get some regular season money. That's like a tiny, tiny percentage. And then because of that, and because we moved the top prize on the playoff side from 2 million to 3 million, but we did not increase the total prize pool. It's still 10 million. That kind of you make less money again by advancing. You just get your money back. Like you had, you, congratulations, you just pulled off a tough feat and you advanced and you have a really good team. All you did was get your money back. So, like, how are you thinking about obviously the week seventeen thing? But is there anything else that you're trying to think through in building your teams? Well, I guess I'm a little bit not on board with like the general take. Uh, it seems to be, I don't know if it's a general take, but a, a popular take is like, basically this is now sort of a different tournament. We should be chasing the regular season a little bit more. And I don't agree with that. I think, yeah, there's more money in the regular season, but the top prize decreased, right? There's more prizes, but the top prize is not a million dollars anymore. It's $500,000. Mm-hmm. So you're going to chase $500,000 instead of 3 million, you know, or, or 1 million in second place. I mean, I think you, still want to go where the biggest pot of money is, which is in week 17. And it's a bit, and the biggest prizes, the biggest individual prizes are also in week 17. And to me, what this has done is it's like, you better finish first in that week 17 tournament and not third. You, you yeah. gotta, you gotta finish first. So, you know, it's going to be tough to like necessarily do a ton of tweak. There's not much we can do to say, Oh, I, I built this team to finish first, not first, not fifth. You know what I mean? <laughs> But I do mm-hmm. think you you want to build a team that is making bets on Week 17 outcomes. I feel very strongly about that. In fact, you could argue that it's more important this year than last year because of how so too. because of how top heavy the prize pool is. That you need to be at the very top. There is a uh, an awesome user, and I believe he's in. He's also in uh, the the Leg Up Discord. He's in the Spike Week Discord. Uh, probably going to be a lot of crossover. Uh, Sacrilegious is oh, yeah. his, his in, Discord name. Discord. He, he is a, a, this is why I love like these discords and stuff like this. I mentioned this on Rob and I show two days ago. I was like, I started this as like, oh, I'm really into best ball. I think it's going to be big. Let's build a brand or whatever. And now it's like, I love doing the content. I love doing everything. I like just having the discord and listening to these other smart people, like tell yeah. me like what the real answers are, you know, like you're watching me do a show. And a lot of the stuff I'm learning is from, you know, these other smart people that aren't actually producing content. He, I had, he is one I had someone in uh sorry to derail, but I just, no, you're it's fine. just so funny. Cause this happened this morning. Uh, someone in, my discord was asking me about, you know, the Sims that I was doing. And I was like explaining like, Oh, here's what I do. You know, da, da, da. he's like, Oh, so essentially you're creating an archetype and then you're using that. He like explained to me and I was like, uh-huh, that's what I do. I'm so, uh, yeah, I'm smart. <laughs> he like told me what I was doing. I was like, that was a million times better than I could have explained what I'm exactly. to do. And that's exactly what I was going to say with this, with this particular individual. I've been trying to describe this best ball mania um, structure in terms of what it means to drafters. And I wrote a whole really long article that literally every single like portion of the payout structure, I tried to identify as to, to what it means and got down to the end and was basically just like what you said that like, this is so top at all. What, what we really did was turn this into a top heavier uh, tournament both on both sides. Like, like you said. And so, so what does that mean? Right. 
I never put it this way, but uh, sacrilegious was like, all they did was like skyrocket up the variance of this tournament. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? It's, it's, it's obviously top heavy, but people are just like, oh, top heavy, whatever. No, like the, the variance now is absurd because like you said, you could have an unreal team, unreal team, whether that's regular season or playoffs and like tiny little bit of variance. And you go from maybe maybe the favorite in week 17, maybe the favorite for the regular season to like 10th. And like that's I mean, no one's scoffing at the 10th place prizes. It's like 10K or something like that. But like 3 million versus 10K is a like 10K is not life changing. Yeah. 3 million is life changing for anyone. And so the variance level of this speaks to exactly what you said that like I have to build I have to build for that variance. And I don't think I think people are doing the opposite because we see regular season like, Oh, look, there's regular season prizes. That means I could just build the bet air quotes, right? The bet I can build a cash team in DFS and put that into tournaments. I actually think this is what this has done is the opposite. You need to build for higher variance outcomes that may be even less likely than, than before. It's not just get your ADP value and stack week 17, right? It's not, it, I'm not saying I have all the right applications cause I don't, it's, <laughs> it's the beginning of May. Uh, but I think that we really need to understand how high variance this is. It's not less variance. It's actually quite a bit more. Yeah. And I also want to make the point that it's now harder, harder to advance to the finals than it was True. last year. So, um, right, there's more people in the overall tournament, but the finals field is smaller. Okay? That means it's harder to get there. <laughs> so it's not, you know, it's not the most complicated math. It is... <laughs> It's coming from a guy who's uh, given away a lot, like way too much, way too much in promo stuff. So, you know, yeah. not, <laughs> my math skills are obviously uh, not the best. But look, if you're trying to get to week 17, you need to win two uh, single week tournaments in week 15 and 16 after after advancing. I think focusing on building a team that advances, obviously you, you have to do that, but you also want to have a team that has a good chance of getting there. And that can mean add, adding some bringbacks in week 16, if that, you know, makes sense, but mm -hmm. you potentially are, you're potentially giving up um, some week 17 correlation there. So you don't necessarily want to prioritize that. One thing that I've been thinking about, and I wrote a bit about this on legendary upside uh, in an article where I basically dared the field to snipe my quarterbacks <laughs> because Leone's uh, article pointed out that two quarterback teams when game stacked, meaning you have a, you you have stacked with pass catchers or quarterbacks, and you have a bring back, that those constructions were actually higher EV than three quarterback teams that did the same thing. So we talk about correlation, week seventeen, how important it is, getting the bring back, all of that. You would think that having a third out to that type of game hitting would be even better, but it wasn't. And one of the reasons that I think this is the case is that elite quarterback has been very powerful in best ball. You know, you, you can't really replace when, when Jalen hurts goes off for one of his, that's not like something you can find later. Not really. I mean, you know, it, it can happen. Some of these later quarterbacks can pop up for spike weeks, but the, the spike weeks are mostly coming from these elite quarterbacks. You also have the fact that if you're tacking on a third quarterback, that that quarterback is not usually likely to add a spike week, particularly if you're doing it like late in the draft, you're adding like a Mac Jones or a Kenny Pickett or a CJ Stroud. The odds that these guys are going to go off 
for some ridiculous quarterback score in week 17 or even in week 15 or 16 are not particularly high. They're very low, I would say. So that would then lead you to think, all right, well, then I want to save that bullet. That's a bullet that I can use on a skill position player who might have a spike week that gets me through the finals or gets me gets me through to the finals or goes off in the finals and wins me the money. So you want to save mm-hmm. that bullet. So we're we're prioritizing two quarterback builds over three quarterback builds. I'm going to mix in three quarterback builds. It's not it's but it's a backup plan. It's my backup plan. Uh, I think it's a viable backup plan, but a backup plan. But why do we have right. to stop at two stacks? Why do we have to stop at two stacks with two quarterbacks? Yes. Yes. We don't. We don't have to stop at two stacks. And that's where I'm saying like, oh, God, I took I took Jamar Chase and now I can't do Burrow. That's not the best example. But but what if you took what if you took Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and you don't get Tua? That you're fine. That hurts. That yes. hurts. Right. It does hurt. But if you can then get, you know, if you are able to get in an additional two stacks, you still take two quarterbacks who are stacked and have bringbacks. I want to bring back on that Miami stack. Yep. That's not 100%. a dead stack. That's a Miami. I, there's three games that went off and I have all three in my week 17 lineup. That's how you finish at the very top. I think bingo. Uh, uh, now I'm just like, this is uh, the, the reminiscing uh, podcast episode one, where I think back to again, two, two years ago, one of the first videos I actually did. And again, all this comes from my just disturbed DFS brain where all like, we would call that a secondary stack or a secondary correlation. Right. And you will or also mini, do or this, mini correlation or mini, mini, yep. Mini, right. Something along those lines. And you would do this in DFS too. So you build your game. You can only play one quarterback, right? Say on draft, you play, you're playing NFL week two DFS tournaments on DraftKings. You can only play one quarterback, right? But that doesn't mean at, you, you stack that game, right? I'm playing Tom Brady. I will use the, the week seven. I'm playing Tom Brady to Mike Evans with DJ Moore. Congratulations. You hit the stone cold nuts. That doesn't mean that you, if Raheem Mostert is your, is your RB two, that when you get to that flex spot or that wide receiver three or whatever on your team, that you just always pick the best. If, if you have two 3K wide receivers and Tyquan Thornton is correlated to Raheem Mostert, you mm-hmm. play Tyquan Thornton over the other 3K wide receiver because, again, it, it, it brings that game stack into play. If Raheem Mostert breaks off two long touchdowns in the first half, guess what the Patriots got to do? Throw it more. Guess who that benefits? Tyquan Thornton. So he gets a boost because of that game script and how everything is going. And that goes back to everything you said at the beginning. That's one less thing I had to get right. I got one thing right. I filled two roster spots. So yes, I didn't have the quarterback, but it didn't matter because now I'm playing this game. I hit the Bucks game. Boom. Got one thing right. Filled four roster, three or four roster spots. And then I got one more game, right? Boom. Two more roster spots. There's six of eight. <laughs> like yeah, I, I don't really yeah. got to do anything else. You know what I mean? And so uh, one of the first things I did from that DFS lens was stacking without the quarterback. It's like, you nailed it. It's like, do I want to miss on Tua when I get Tyreek and Waddle? No, of course not. No one's saying to like go out of your way to do this, but it doesn't mean you can't still build a, a absolutely live team and a really good team just because you like don't panic and be like, well, here it goes. Now I'm just going to th- let's throw this one in the garbage because you can still make a really good team. Someone just helped you potentially because yeah. you need to finish. You need to finish first in a 450 team field. So some so that you know you're going to need a few different things to go right and so 
you know, let's say you you had the the chase team and Burrow goes one pick before you. You're about to get him stacked up. You're all pissed, you know, and I get it. But don't stop with Chase. Go get Boyd. The Burrow guy needs Boyd. Yeah, you know <laughs> he, he's 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 dead if he doesn't get Boyd because Bur- let's say Burrow week seventeen Burrow goes off for a huge game. There's gonna be other quarterbacks who score points, and quarterback doesn't separate from the other quarterbacks like skill p- position players do. And we don't have to fill as many. It's one quarterback spot that we have to fill. You know, you get that big spike week out of a Bengals pass catcher because they went off. You Tyler Boyd scored a couple touchdowns in week 17 or whatever, you know, that matters a ton for your lineup. And you also had Chase who's going off too because the Bengals are chucking all over the field or whatever. So you're the one who's actually got the the upside there. The uncorrelated Burrow guy is, I mean, he, he's not dead. He's not finishing last. He's yeah. not finishing last, but he's that's not how you finish first. And you need to finish first. So I think there's potential – for you to double down when when that type of thing happens, you know, you're like, okay, fine. You think you've boxed me out? You've boxed out yourself. I'm gonna continue tacking on. I'm gonna not only am I gonna get Chase and Boyd, I'm gonna add Irv Smith, and then I'm gonna get a bring back on this too because yep. this game's gonna go off. It doesn't matter. I don't have the quarterback because I, you know, I grabbed Anthony Richardson later. I grabbed you know the second quarterback that you're able to stack up. You still want to be stacking up your guys, but that quarterback piece is the most replaceable getting a game that goes off right is, you know, not replaceable. Like you still want to correct. You still want to be building out those games. Well, it's exactly like you said, and you just think about it logically, you only have to play one quarterback. And so let's just look at last year as, as one example, you had Tom Brady, you actually had both, both of these guys. So it really didn't matter. You locked the whole field out, but Brady going off to the, to that level actually kind of ended up hurting me. I think a little bit like I was yeah. like, oh, stop. <laughs> and so Tom Brady week 17 is the, the high, the QB one, the highest scoring quarterback, which what a hilarious run out last season was, by the way. I mean, Tom yeah, Brady yeah. just dunking on everybody in week 17 and, and Mike Evans dunking on, on everybody in week 17, but Brady scores 37 points and Daniel Jones scores 36, right? It's like, guess what? You got either of those two. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Now, the, the, the QB3 was Jarrett, Jarrett Stidham, so that doesn't really matter. But let's say some crazy person drafted Jarrett Stidham or even Patrick Mahomes, 26 points. Russell Wilson, 25 points. It's like, yeah, okay, they, they, didn't, they didn't get you quite enough. But, like, if you had all the nuts around Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, you could still win. You could still win yeah. that tournament, being down 11 yeah. or, or, or 12 points. The year before, when Liam won, uh, he actually did not have the highest scoring quarterback. Uh, and the highest scoring quarterback was correlated with the guy who did break the slate. Jamar Chase in week 17, two years ago, you know, put up 50 something. He did he, him and Mike Evans did the same thing, put up a million, scored four touchdowns, went absolutely bonkers, had to have them. No questions. Joe Burrow scored 35 well, fantasy points. Go ahead. Sorry, but keep in mind, I did not have Mike Evans on my team. Which, but like, like almost nobody did, right? Maybe one or two people in the whole final, I think, on BBM. And this is why a 450 team field, and that was 470. That's one of the reasons is that less Mike Evans teams made it. But like again, yep. you want to play the because you didn't even have to have the the wide receiver, you know. And you know, I think you would have if he wasn't a second, third round pick. Yeah, but but he you know he what he went in the second round in the draft he went before my pick in the second round i was out of the 107 so he went before the 206 in my draft um so he was pretty expensive 
but he was, uh, you know, op- you know, he went off and in a bigger field, he's, he is going to be in the winning lineup. He just is. So, that's... and he was, and he was in the DraftKings Millie Maker. Yeah. Uh, all the top teams had Mike Evans, even though there was like, he was like 2% in the DraftKings Millie Maker final, but there was a thousand teams. And guess what? Right. A thousand teams that have Tom Brady, Mike Evans stacks, and some of them have DJ Moore. Like you're just gonna gonna need that guy. So it's a great point yeah. about the uh, the different field sizes. But then you look back two years ago at again at, at Liam's team. Joe Burrow goes for 35 fantasy points. Josh Allen was actually the QB four with 24. So he lo- he scored. He lost 11 points at quarterback two. And that's the crazy thing. Burrow was the the quarterback for yeah. The, that is crazy who, actually. And and yeah. he, and Liam did not need him to win. So think about that again. A smaller field. Etc. But it's just like hammering home all these all these different things, kind of kind of all coming together in one. The the size of the final, the structure of the tournament, right? It'll all, and BBM also think about this year how much harder it'll be to get Mike Evans through. You know, so if yeah. it's a one yeah. percent guy, oh, man. you know that get, that gets through. Like I, I don't know that Mike Evans would have made it last year to the to the there wouldn't have been any teams. I think there was a, a couple, if I recall. Yeah, in, in it BBM. certainly would have been harder to get him through. Yeah. So anyway, all this is like kind of coming together for me and it's, it's super fascinating because it is this, this uh, convergence of the, the tournament structure, the final round, um, you know, the, the way you construct your, your teams. And like, I, I just think that it all boils back down to what you said, obviously about stack. We of course want to stack our quarterbacks. We of course want to stack the games, but like there's other levers we can pull to give ourselves a shot especially when you factor in the si- the size of the final to like still win this thing, even if you don't have literally like the optimal for that week. Yeah. Cause it's not big enough, you know, you know, 1400, what's the Millie maker that uh, that's like, is that like 500,000 people in that or how many people are in that thing? Oh my God. I don't the actually remember. Though. I'll look at it. I'll look it up while you, uh... whatever it is. It's, it's way more than 1500 or 1400. <laughs> um, so, you know, you got to maybe it's not quite I don't play the Millie Maker. So maybe I just completely off with that number. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's kind of small, true small field. There's sort of medium field tournaments. Then there's some, you know, multi several thousand people, you know, get up to kind of like five thousand people. That's a pretty that's that's kind of like the spy. Right. That's like around like five thousand yep. yep. people. And that's I would say me, that's sort of the top end of like medium size. And, but then, you know, but then you go up to the, the really, really high end tournaments and yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a little different and we're not there, you know, we still are, these still are pretty small, um, even compared to something like if you played the smaller of the two spies on DraftKings, that's usually around like 2,200 people. Um, so we're still, we're still in the smaller range. You don't have to get every single thing, right? Absolutely. So as piggybacking on that and kind of as sort of to wrap the whole conversation, what are you doing with the drafts? Like let's talk maybe some players or some, you know, how you're constructing your team, some strategies we talked about. We'll definitely be talking about the schedule plenty. I think there's some fun things we might be able to do um, with, with the schedule. Uh, Very, very minor. Like most of these things are very, very minor, but I think, with how much more difficult in BBM specifically it is to to get through, I think there'll be some little little levers we can pull. Right? Uh, Are you talking about guys who get yeah crossover the crossover matchups? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's got yeah that's that's the type of stuff to be honest that I don't find particularly compelling to do 
because I because it's like it just feels a little homeworky. You know, yeah. I've got to oh, got to memorize. Is. Oh, this guy goes with this guy because he get he gets a little boost. We're giving him a little boost. I don't. I but like, is it sharp? Yeah, it's sharp. Like we should do that. Um, I just don't. It's you know, maybe tiniest. and maybe this is where Spike Week comes in and helps us out. Helps us uh, account for that a bit. But but yeah, yep. I think that type of stuff is where we're headed. You know, that's the. I don't think we're like. The nice thing about best ball, though, is that I think something like stacking without the quarterback is still going to be an ed, like a pretty big edge this year, because um, because yep. there's something like really psychologically satisfying about getting that stack and completing that stack. And I don't think people and then they're like they check that box. I stacked this guy. I stacked this guy. I'm done. I can do whatever I want now. And I think if you're thinking. I'm getting three. I'm going to go three and I'm cool doing little mini correlations. Cause that's the other thing, right? If you're throughout your draft, if you're going breaking ties, keep in mind, we're not, we're not reaching all over exactly. the place. We're not blowing up our draft to do all this. Right. But you're just going, Hmm, I got a, you know, once the schedule comes out, right. We, we have to know, but it's like, I got a, a charger. I'm getting a chief. Let's say they play. I'm just going to, I'm going to break this tie to Rasheed Rice here. Cause I already had Quentin Johnson or, you know, or earlier in the draft, you're doing little minis like that. Those little minis can be built out. So it's ah, I got I got sniped on uh I got sniped on this original stack that I want to do. I the two a double that I had is gone. But you know, I do have this little uh Marquise Brown. Uh I I took him because I had cup, you know, and they play the, the you know, the it's a Cardinals Rams week 17. So I got Marquise Brown with Cooper Cup. You know, I'm just going to prioritize Stafford a little bit more than I would have. And then I'm going to build out Van Jefferson, you know, Tyler Higby. <laughs> and now I've got a full-blown game stack, you know. And so mm-hmm. if you've just sort of set yourself up and you don't have to – if you, the, the nice thing about doing that, right, is you don't have to tackle on Trey McBride or something to make yourself feel like you had a bring back. You're just going, I'm going to break this tie. I'm going to break this tie, get these little mini correlations, and then you're always – you can, no one can push you off balance too much. You can always just bounce. You can snap back. And get something else. And if at the end of the day, if you end up with like a couple extra little mini correlations that never got tacked on, cool. That that can be good. You know, yep. you you it's one more little mini bet that you made that another game has some points in it. And you know, if it doesn't go off, it doesn't go off, but it probably doesn't it doesn't hurt. Yeah, it well, it definitely doesn't hurt. And that's the that's the big thing, I think, what you just outlined about the whole core basically the whole correlation conversation is certainly we would never be guilty of, uh, you know, embellishing and taking a bit too far. Uh, and so it wouldn't be our fault that the week 17 thing got blown out of proportion. Uh, can we, can we, like, so the example of week 17 correlation going too far was Tyler Algier and Zach. Ertz, correct. Correct. Which yeah. was directionally accurate. Tyler yes, Algier went off. Trey McBride went off. Like not, correct. not had a good game. Both those guys had great games. So, I mean, if the thing held up by the correlation skeptics, I mean, kind of kind of uh, proved the point a little bit. We literally changed Best Ball Mania 4's entire structure because of Tyler Algier and Zach Ertz. And it was kind of right. It was kind <laughs> like, of right. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like everything that's happened in Toutland of Best Ball over the last two years is legitimately hilarious. We were talking in the Discord yesterday. I was talking to Josh Jenkins, who's, you know, uh, around and ship chasing around in your Discord, all that kind of stuff. Great, great guy. And we were just shooting the shit saying like, you know, if you did the opposite of like what everyone has said for like, I'm not talking about week 17 correlation and stuff, but like 
So shout out to the ship chasers, right? Visca, Sky, you know, some of these guys that were flag plants. The highlight reels. Maybe don't draft guys we have a highlight yeah. reel for. I'll say that. <laughs> but I think I, see, I think I give some good advice, but the highlight reels are not uh, right. working too well. I feel like I'm very thoughtful about, about all this, but when you hone in on any specific player, right? Trey Lance for two years, <laughs> two straight years of Trey, of Trey Lance, Kyle Pitts, uh, my, you know, my, my big flag plant, which is, again, we, we pushed the bit a little too far, but Darrington Evans, Darrington Evans was not getting drafted for half of the, yeah, for half of the entire one. draft cycle. By the end, this is my shining moment in my history uh, or my career of fantasy sports. There were times people were sniping Darrington from me in like the 13th round of, dra- of drafts. It's just absolutely absurd. But like all these guys, awful, bust, hurt, you know, just horrible picks. Shout out Liam again shipped shipped best ball mania you know millionaire awesome obsessed with the bills right drafts a ton of bills is bills he? bills is bills fan? in case anyone had noticed uh pretty big pretty big i should argue fan. with him about dalton Kincaid <laughs> for 45 minutes but he touts the bills right so he 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 gets a you know starts his youtube and is is getting into the best ball space and is touting touting the bills right which just seems totally reasonable even he had the power to bring down the entire Bills team in week 17 of last year. People that drafted the Bills were not wrong, and their week 17 game got fucking canceled. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like absolutely it's everything possible could that went that could have gone wrong about like the specific players has gone has gone wrong. However, the one thing that hasn't is this like correlation element. But I think the fact that, you know, it's what we all do, the bits and exaggeration, hyperbole, whatever. But it's what you said. These things are just tiebreakers. It it is when you reach a tier, right? What tier-based drafting really is. You reach an area, like your Tyquan Thornton pick is is always one of my favorite examples. You reach a tier of all these wide receivers and you're like, they're like the same. They're they're really, they're, they're they're all the same. So... That like we move down the decision tree, right? We move down the totem pole and we say, okay, well, I got most dirt. None of these other guys correlate with any players on my team. Okay, I'll just take I'll just take Taekwon. If if the player that's available, I didn't just have most dirt. I had Gasicki, I had uh Sony Michelle, who was currently on the Dolphins when I selected <laughs> him, and I basically did like a I tried to hit a single at that or maybe I tried to hit a double, double know, but yeah. not a home run, uh, with two running backs. And then I also had um Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. And uh, so I had built out this whole like Dolphins Patriots thing, but like, oh, I had Jacoby Myers as well. So there was a whole thing going on, but, um, and I partly say that cause I, I didn't draft Tyquan Thornton on any of my other teams. So like for <laughs> me, I probably needed like all of that to get me on. I clearly wasn't that into Thornton. That's what got me onto Thornton is the fact that I was building out this, this game stack. And I, he was the late pick for me. I can't remember if he was my 18th round pick, but he was my, you know, a very, very late pick. And, you know, so at that point, you should be making those types of tiebreakers, right? Exactly. It it never trumps, <clears throat> uh, it, it, again, in the DFS world, but same thing for, for best ball, like the projection or the ranking, however, it would, whichever you would like. If a player is so undervalued, right? When you reach a point and I say, this guy is my 40th ranked player and I'm at pick 65, he doesn't correlate take him <laughs> like he that is more the adp value the the value of that player far exceeds everyone else that's available at that time 
there can be guys who correlate, right? There could be Zach Ertz or Tyler Algier available to you there. But if you have a player, a tier or multiple tiers ahead that's available, you take him. The correlation doesn't matter yeah, yeah, because you're, yeah. you're trying to score the most points and get the, the highest value player. The correlation is a projections boost and it's only going to do so much. It's not like it boosts guys 2x what you would expect. It, you know, yeah, it's, it's tiny. It's small. It's a, Yeah, it's a, it's a tiebreaker boost, but you do want to stack those anytime you can because exactly. then you end up with a team that is projected for a lot of points if certain things happen. So it's exactly you, these. Oh, this happens now. Okay. You know, like you said, like Raheem Mostert, you know, ripping off the touchdowns. It's like, now that that's happened, we're way more into these Patriots wide receivers and you've got, you've got two of them in a pass catching running back. Okay. That sounds pretty interesting. You know, that's, that's the whole game. Exactly. That, that is the entire game. So um, anyway, I did just want to hit a couple of, you know, player side or just like draft ADP, anything like that. Is there anything that has jumped out to you so far as like something that's kind of exploitable um, in ADP? I have, I have a, I have a couple of thoughts, not, nothing super crazy, but I do think the general idea, I totally agree with like wisdom of the crowd, right? The market is generally going to be smarter, directionally accurate uh, over the entire player pool than we are. But I think at this point in the season, um, two things, one ADP gets preloaded right by these sites and it's not accurate <clears throat> it's not efficient um and so it, it still gets anchored to by drafters right that's just how yeah. the human mind works and, and like auto so drafters and stuff like a player can only fall so much you know because people psychologically anchor to it and it's like well he's at the top of the queue i don't want to scroll too far down it doesn't feel good you know and also it's like how much should you scroll down because if a guy <laughs> is 24 picks past you in the queue like he might come back and exactly. yeah, he shouldn't come back. Maybe you do just genuinely prefer him at the pick you're selecting, but you should probably make the bet that he comes back so you can build one of these super teams. You know, it, so it's a tough thing to to even say what you should do. And then therefore, guys slowly make their way down and slowly make their way up and under the normal course of things outside of injuries and major news and that type yeah. of stuff. Um, so, but then so there's also I'll, auto drafters, which is going to snap up any values. So I'll, I'll say two scenarios where that I've, I, I probably like a, a struggle with the most so far. So uh, you get outside of like the really elite wide receivers, let's call it uh, through like Amon Ra, maybe DK mm-hmm. Metcalf, something like that, right? The call like the two, three turn ish uh, is where kind of there's a, just a ginormous tier break at wide receiver for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and, but you also have kind of mixed in between there, these running backs that I think are undervalued, Tony Pollard, um, I know, uh, I can't believe I'm tying my brand to Nick Chubb, but I like Nick Chubb. If I you like, like Nick Chubb up. some this year, man. And yeah. I think if guys like us like Nick Chubb, he's probably undervalued. Yeah, exactly. Cause it, dude, you have no idea how, how much it takes for me to like Nick, to like Nick yeah. Chubb. And so, especially on I think like exactly at ADP, which probably means he's an absolute smash. Yeah, exactly. You know, every other year would be me just being, Oh, look, Bijan, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, Bijan. I want Bijan. But and I, of course, who doesn't like Bijan? But but when Nick Chubb, of course, I, Tony Pollard. I I understand like oh maybe they'll bring back Zeke, but like I don't actually really care. He was he was great with Zeke there, and now they clearly don't prioritize Zeke, et cetera, et cetera. But point being, that whole range is like amazing. All the running backs there look good. Ramondre, even Jacobs. I can see the case for Jacobs. I'm a little lower on him than the rest, but yeah, there's this I, whole. I feel the exact same way. But I so can, I'm trying I to figure out. See the case. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out a. 
you know, how, how to manipulate that. Cause on one hand I could see like everybody moving up. Like if you told me Garrett Wilson was at the one, two turn later, I'd be like, cool. If you told me Tony Pollard was be like, okay, I get it. But they're all kind of lumped together. Cause I think everybody just has their own flavor that they like right there. Are you kind of feeling the same thing? And then like, how are you handling, you know, drafting around, you know, second, third ish round? Yeah. I think that's probably going to be one of the defining features of this part of draft season is that, there was this group of running backs available at the two, three turn that generally have profiles that you find more on the one, two turn, you know, and they're not guys that I always like taking at the one, two turn. I'm not saying right. they're sort of one, two turn values necessarily, but it's different. It's different than it usually is. And so given that it's different and given that casual drafters tend to be more running back heavy and given that they are the least amount of casual drafters that are going to be drafting, all year right now, you know, and it'd be sort of steadily increasing. And then there'll be big surge in August, um, late August and, and early September. Then I just don't really see these running back ADPs holding like this, you know? And I think it was like, well, who's going to get pushed down? Can like, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, like really get pushed. Yeah. When, when mm-hmm. the RB thirsty drafters come in, I think they're going to push down those like non elite guys who were, were thinking, you know, are going to break out, um, and be these future stars, you know, even like a Garrett Wilson, I think can get pushed down a little bit. And when you um, say, sorry, I was just going to add to that. So like, there's some wide receiver twos that go in, in that spot. And I mean, I yeah. love them. Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, T Higgins all go in. And I, I don't have a negative thing to say about them, but from a market perspective, like you said, when the August people come in, they're like, I'm going to draft the Eagles second wide receiver over this, you know, what this RB one, like that doesn't make any sense. Right. Those are traditionally priced as third round picks, the, that kind of archetype, right? Like the the second wide receiver on his own team, but it's a really good offense. We're really excited. Like an early third would be generally, which is not that different than where T Higgins is going, but you're, you're getting more, you know, Waddle is like mid second, mid to late second. Um, I think that the running backs are going to kind of start to slide up. Uh, some of the running backs I, I actually think are like, you know, more um, they're like, like Ramondre, like why is Ramondre is like a mid second type of archetype to me. And he's going in like the later third. I think that is not going. Remember when Alvin Kamara fell to like the late third because of suspension risk? Yep. Ramondre is like not that different of a profile than Kamara was last year. In fact, I think maybe he has a better profile just because he's younger and he had shown no signs of slowing down. He's not as talented as Kamara was at his peak, but there's no like, is this guy, does this guy still have it risk plus zero suspension risk, obviously potential workhorse in a way that Camara had like, was it sort of at the tail end of, you know, his, his fantasy stardom, but you know, I, I don't really get the Ramondre price. And so, yeah, I think you have to be thinking about ways to add some of these running back values. Um, And that may, I'm still going zero running back in some drafts. I'm still taking just one early running back, but I'm doing two running back starts as well. I'm going wide receiver, running back, running back a fair amount. I was doing that a ton in the pre-draft, you know, in the big board. I was going wide receiver, running back, running back a lot. Yeah, Anchor wide wide receiver with two – I mean, they're superstars at that two, three-turn running back. Yeah, yeah. So then, then, though, you are behind the eight ball in these rooms because these rooms are snapping up the wide receivers. So I think you need to think hard if you're going to do, you know, 
if you go wide receiver, running back, running back, elite tight end, elite quarterback, I think you're I think you're done. Log out of the app. Like yeah. I, that that's like unless you can find. So obviously I'm being hyperbolic, but unless you can find like some crazy good values at wide receiver, I mean you are you are in such rough shape at that point with one wide receiver through five rounds potentially. You know if you literally just went running back, running back, tight end, quarterback after your round one wide receiver. Um, I just, the rooms are not letting you recover at wide receiver. The, the wide receivers in round five are, are not, I like the round five, six turn is tough right now. It's horrible. I don't like anybody, any position, pick a position. I don't like them. Yeah. It's really rough. So I'm like, if that's where you need a wide receiver, that's like your wide receiver two or three. And you like need that guy. I don't, I don't love it. So. I'm definitely, you know, I at the same time, I do want – I think it would be a mistake not to target some of these running backs in the uh, the second and the third round because it's like, why are we drafting right now? What's the advantage of drafting right now? I think one of the advantages is taking some of these running back values. And Mike Leone in his best ball manifesto, he actually showed that zero running back was not stronger early in the season. It was stronger later. And – that to me got my wheels turning on these dead roster spots. And I think the dead roster spot element, uh, if you're, if you're drafting a bunch of running backs in may, you're likely to create dead roster spots. Mm -hmm. If you're drafting a bunch of running backs in September, you're much less likely because we at least know who all the backups are. We at least know who won the training camp battles, who got hurt, who didn't get hurt. So yeah, you've got a potential to bink more in, in May when drafting later running backs. But if you're again, if you're attacking it with volume because you did a true zero running back team, your dead roster spots are probably going to be more than just a couple. And that really hurts your chances of advancing through the playoff weeks and in the finals. Again, we're trying to finish first here. Having those dead roster spots is really going to hurt your chances of finishing at the very top. So with that in mind then maybe these second and third round running backs are kind of one of the key reasons to draft right now, because you can get one or two of those guys. And I, you know, I'm not saying don't draft McCaffrey and Bijan and everything, but yeah, you know, but that being kind of overweight, that group, I think right now makes sense. And you got to play it very carefully afterwards. You can't, you can't then you can't take a third guy. You can't Oh, this guy felt what a value I got to get this guy in the fourth round too. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying you can't do it. You probably can do it. Build a true hyper fragile, but I don't like it because wide receivers are getting snapped up. And I already think you're kind of behind the eight ball in these rooms, even when you do two and you can recover when you do two early running backs, but it's just much harder to recover. And you're boxed out of any kind of early ish tight end, you know, early ish quarterback. I think once you go three early running backs, um, just because of the way the wide receivers are getting snapped up. So, that's kind of what I've been thinking about. But, you know, if you get one or two, let's say you go two of those early running backs. Now you're talking maybe more about a five running back build. You can maybe get a couple, you get maybe your next running backs in round nine or 10. Maybe you get another running back in round 12. Well, those are probably pretty high probability bets relatively. They're not like total scratch off lotto tickets. Maybe you take another guy in the 15th who's like a rookie, you know, it's like, Maybe he doesn't give me much, but I think he's gonna got a good chance to be contributing down the stretch. He won't be a dead roster spot for me, hopefully, in the fantasy playoffs, which is what which is what we're talking about. These dead roster spots really mattering. Um, and now you've got a running back room 
that's got a really good chance of surviving the chaos of the season much better than even the zero running back team in total. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. So exactly what you outlined was what I was going to say in terms of if I had to dream an optimal way to build out my team right now, let's use underdog because I think it's a little more fitting on, on underdog. There's a lot of nuances to like DraftKings, especially with full PPR and bonuses and all that kind of stuff and 20 roster spots that um, are, are a little bit unique, but generally this applies. But I think if I were to say, how do you best navigate right now um, in terms of let's try to capture that ADP value and create these upside teams while, as you said, keeping my first place equity as high as possible, taking into account the dead roster spots and, and all of that, it would be like what I would call an anchor wide receiver, right? So I, it doesn't really, I, let's say chase. I get the one Oh two. I take Jamar chase. I come back to the two, three turn. I'm not saying these guys are always available there because they're not, but the dream would be, let me double tap a Pollard Chubb at the, at the two, three turn, something like that to go with my superstar wide receiver. And then, like you said, now, there's no running backs for a while. <laughs> if you really want to dip your toes into quarterback or, or tight end or something like that, I think it's fine. But as you said, you got to be really careful. And then I'm going to try to hit this mid tier of wide receivers where I think it's kind of gross actually, but I'm going to, you know, wave my toe. I, I don't hate like the bucks guys. JSN goes there. Uh, th those kinds of things. You know, I don't actually love a lot of those guys, but I would wade my way through my favorite mid round yeah. wide you receivers. To build. Guys you like. Everyone's got their different guys there. Yeah. You're going to need to be right, but like you can, you can get through it. But you can tell yourself a story of all those guys, right? It's uh, yeah. it's it's pretty pretty easy. So then, as exactly what you said, I'm gonna come. There's a there's a, a, a the zero running back range, right? Uh, call it from it's probably ADP wise, like maybe a Cam Akers, something like that. A set the seventh through the twelfth. I think it round. starts even a little earlier. Then you can go. Well, if you go two, then I wouldn't be going. Dalvin, like da yeah, Miles Dalvin Sanders, yeah, Damian yeah. Pierce. Uh, Rashad White, like those guys, I think if again, if I go Pollard Chubb, I'm not really that interested in that group. I'm skipping that group. But if I go just Pollard or just Chubb, then I don't mind tacking on a Miles Sanders, you know, in the late sixth or whatever is my RB2. Um, so yeah, I, I just play it a little different depending on how many I took early. Yeah. And so then I would live in that range for, let's say, my next two, exactly like what you said. So I really like like Damian Harris, but again, whoever you prefer, yeah. Harris, the the Bills, Cook, Charbonnet, right? Whatever. There's a million mix in. There's a million guys in that range that I think are all have a, a case to be made. I maybe dip my toes in twice, right? From the sixth to the 12th round. And now and those are guys those, who you can hit home runs with. You can hit a home run with all. So now you have four running backs that can hit all hit absolute home runs. And there's zero other than, of course, injury. There's zero risk of dead roster spots, right? Like, I mean, Damian Harris is not getting cut. Like, uh, right, you know, right. uh, Rashad White is not getting cut. Well, are they going to work out? Who the hell knows? Who knows? It's May, but they're not going to be dead. And then, like you said, then you can be smart about how you take that last guy. I think I would keep it to five. And I would say, yeah, rookie, right? Kendra, Izzy. Um, I really like Chuba. Uh, I don't really know why like Chuba goes 200 overall. I love overall. Chuba Hubbard. I <laughs> it doesn't love make Chuba. any sense. Pete's on him. You're on him. I'm on him. I don't think this is going to last. Get your Chuba no. Hubbard. He's a clear-cut handcuff. I mean, you know, don't take him as a literal handcuff to Miles Sanders, but he's yeah. <laughs> he's like, we talked about the backfields being clear as mud, and his name popped in my head then. I don't want to derail us on some Chuba Hubbard love in the very beginning of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but we are off the rails if it's a Chuba Hubbard segment of the first show. <laughs> Somehow I contained myself and we saved it for the end of the show. But like, yeah, Chuba Hubbard gives you 
I think is one of the few guys who has like a very clear backup running back spot. And he, he looked good last year. Like he flashed in a lot of efficiency numbers uh, similar to Deontay Foreman. I mean, he was not getting uh, blown out of the water by Deontay Foreman efficiency wise. I think he could have a standalone role to some extent. Um, and then at the end of the season, I mean, if, if it happens to be that Miles Sanders isn't playing, Chuba Hubbard could be a smash. I mean, he, like a high-end RB2 type of guy. So I'm a big fan. Jalen Warren is another guy. Clear, yes. clear handcuff, right? Happens to be maybe more talented than the guy ahead of him. Is that is that too, is it too early to admit both? that Najee Harris is, might, might be worse than Jalen Warren, or do we have to wait till next year? Both those situations, right? Well, I, I, I drafted a ton of Miles Sanders last year. Guess what? He was on the Eagles. It wasn't because I'm a Miles Sanders stan. He's not some legendary running back. He's just no. a dude, but he was on the Eagles, right? That's why we'll do this. Whole, I'm sure we'll talk plenty about Penny Swift, all these idiots over the course of the, the summer. But same thing, like what? Miles Sanders versus Chuba Hubbard in terms of being an NFL running back? Is there really that much of a difference? Not really yeah. to me. And this team has shown the propensity to play multiple running backs. Same thing with the Steelers. I'm not saying they've shown the propensity like the Panthers have to play multiple, but last year they did. And it was because Jalen Warren outplayed Najee Harris. Right. And so, like, why he, yep. these guys probably have standalone value. Chuba definitely does, in my opinion. These guys have standalone value, and the the uh, the upside is is crazy. So, uh, really quickly before we wrap, though, I was just gonna play devil's advocate to the to the Ramondre thing because I do like Ramondre. I think I have him ranked a little bit higher than his than his ADP. My counterpoint to Ramondre is nothing about Ramondre, and so that's why I think he deserves to go where he goes. He clearly can be a workhorse. He catches passes, efficient runner, good player. Blah blah blah. Did it last year. We know we can do it. No issues. The the problem I have is that he did it when Damian Harris went out. And so now, of course, Damian Harris is gone. The Patriots did bring in J-Rob. And no, they did not draft anybody this year. But last year, they drafted two guys, Pierre Strong and, and both and might Kevin. be talented. And, and, and yeah, and who knows? This could mean nothing. They could just be like, oh, no, Ramondre is better than these guys. And I do think he probably is. But the Patriots have typically been historically not like we're just going to hand over the reins to one dude, right? We had the LeGarrette Blunt yeah, and, yeah. and Deion Lewis and all these yeah. different James White, obviously. And I'm not, teams change, things change, but it's still Belichick. It's still all that. So I, I think that the median outcome for Ramondre is probably, or, or there's a lot more likelihood that Ramondre is not quite what we think he is than the market will say. But the bull case is like, He's way undervalued in the bull case. So I understand why he goes where he goes, but I do think there's a little bit of reason for skepticism in, in however you're evaluating his range. And I think I think that's good pushback and one reason to go, hey, look, there's a group of running backs who doesn't typically go here. But also, generally, I think running backs tend to be a little overdrafted historically. Yes. So the fact that they're now going a little later does not mean that we need to fall all over ourselves to draft running backs early because <laughs> they're a little later than normal. I mean, I think this is a little bit of a rational to me, it's a bit rational by the market. I know, you know, some people are thinking this is, this is crazy. Wide receivers are going too high. I think this is more efficient to be honest, um, because it's harder to break away from when you had the old mm -hmm. running back, when you had the old running back prices, guys like us could just completely sit out of that. Yeah. And still we could just still be fine. Cause we can get, you know, we'll get, running back values late zero running back is what I'm talking about. We're here running back. And it's just like, it was easier. In fact, you almost had to like tell yourself, okay, it's time for me to stop taking wide receivers. Cause the, the <laughs> issue is more that it's like, Oh, but there's a wide receiver in round 10 that I like and round 11 that I like. 
Yep. You know, but it was easy to break away from. At the same time, the people that were taking early running back, they were they were doing okay sometimes because you know you get your early running backs. There's wide receivers available to you later. You know, you couldn't take too much at running back. I think this is why hyper fragile had such a successful run a couple of years ago. Is that you, you know, you you limit the amount of total draft capital that you spend at running back, even though you took early running backs. But then you're able to tack on the wide receivers, and you can find those wide receivers later. I think the current ADP makes that harder to find those, not impossible, but harder to find those wide receivers later. It makes it harder to break away from the current ADP and just say, you know what, I'm going to beat you by drafting a bunch of running backs. I don't think you can. I don't think you can win that way, really. You know, and in fact, the wide receiver teams, they're going to they're going to be super strong at running back too because yes. everyone going wide receiver heavy is pushing running backs down the board. So as long as you don't go hyper ideological with it and say, you know, I'm not going to take a running back till round 11 or something, which <laughs> I wouldn't suggest, you know, you want to maybe start taking your running backs, even in zero running back builds round six, round seven, something like that. And start building in those running back points, but you're, you're doing it with starting running backs, Damian Pierce, you know, uh, Miles Sanders, Rashad White, Isaiah Pacheco, like you're doing with starting NFL running backs. Some of them on good offenses. So you're, so anyway, anyway, it's like the fact that it's harder to not do what the field is doing to me makes it, makes the case that this is actually more efficient. You know, if I can just completely ignore the market, um, then maybe the ADP is not that efficient. And I don't think you can ignore the market here on wide receiver. I think to some extent you've got to, you've got to follow suit a little bit. And with that in mind, if you skip Ramondre, if you skip Pollard, skip Chubb, all these guys, you're probably fine. I don't think they're must drafts in any draft. They're just uh, – I just think this is an interesting part of the current ADP landscape. Definitely. And I think you can counter to everything that I said and, and we said about that that little 2-3 turn. Like you said, if you want to forego that, load up those wide receivers uh, or Kelsey or whatever. And we just talked about from the 6th to the 12th round. You just want to hit all your running backs right there. Like you're also not going to have dead roster spots then. Like, of course, you don't have the Pollard could be the RB1 or something like that. You don't necessarily have that. You have a really good, like you said, you have six starting running backs, like on good teams. Yeah. So like yeah. you're not you're not hurting. But we do got to get out of here um, really quickly, which I did not, not mention at the top. A, if you missed the beginning, uh, I don't know what you were doing. We have a partnership between Spike Week and Legendary Upside where Legendary Upside subscribers will get 40% off of their Spike Week subscription. All you got to do, is when you go to sign up, there's a little button that says, I have a coupon. You use the coupon. You say, I put in leg up into that coupon code. And as long as you're subscribed to Legendary Upside, you will get 40% off of your Spike Week subscription. It does work for current Spike Week subscribers. So you're subscribed already, right? We ran a promotion a while back. Maybe you're already grandfathered in. You will get this uh, discount as well. So just contact me if you're already subs- if you're already subscribed. Hey, you can hit me up on Discord, Twitter, wherever. Just contact me. We'll get you all we'll get you all set up. But make sure if you're subscribed to Pat and you want to really dive into the best ball space, we got you covered with a nice forty percent discount uh, over here at Spike Week. Anything else, Pat? Uh, before we get out of here, uh, and then uh, get ready for uh, uh, next week and a fun weekend of drafting. No, this has been a lot of fun. I'm excited about the show going forward. I'm excited for you know this this uh, this collaboration overall. I'm excited for people to be able to check out the Spike Week tools. Um, I think they've been super helpful and just kind of me like 
understanding what my exposures are on DraftKings, <laughs> which, you know, if you only use it for that, I feel like it's already massive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, trying to figure out things like player combinations and stuff is is really cool as well. Trying to figure out how many, what structures you're using, you're using, you know, you're like um, realizing maybe you're doing like a ton of elite tight end or a ton of elite quarterback and you don't want to do, you know, you want to mix in some more three quarterback builds, whatever. I think just analyzing your own play is such an important part, important part of this. And you guys make that like possible on some sites and much easier on something like underdog. So just uh, excited to be doing this going forward. And uh, yeah, legendary, legendary upside.com slash early on top of all the other promos, including a $50 underdog credit right now uh, (laughs) I'm offering $30 off your first year. So, you know, what, what a time to be alive. Yeah, you know, what a time to be getting into best ball. We're all we're all just uh, we're all so excited. We're just giving away all the goods for uh, for much cheaper. I will make sure if you're watching this on on YouTube, get in the description. I'll make sure to add all this information in there for you. Links to everything from Pat. Links to everything from Spike Week. All the fun discounts and everything. But uh, for myself and 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 for Pat, I know he's got to run. For all the dogs that are are sleeping, thank God this is a good time to record yeah, unbelievable. this. Unbelievable! Dogs slept through it. <laughs> the whole the whole show. I can't remember the last time I recorded and there wasn't uh, chaos from from dogs. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next Thursday. Uh, give us a like. Give us a, a, a subscribe. Jesus, and uh, we'll.